Hello, and welcome to I Watch This As An Adult, the podcast where I review movies from my childhood from an adult perspective. And this week, I'll be reviewing 1997's Jackie Brown. Alright guys, welcome to the show. Today I'm going to be reviewing 1997's Jackie Brown. Uh, Before I do that, let's talk about things I watched this week. The biggest thing I watched this week was the uh, Disney thing, the Disney day. I almost called it the Disney thing. I guess you could call it the Disney thing. (laughs) The Disney day on Disney Plus is exclusively on Disney Plus. Seems like it because I was seeing people talking about it and could not find anything on YouTube. I had to go, I had to go exclusively to Disney Plus and watch this stuff. Uh, But people call it Disney Day. I didn't look because, like, I I was on my Disney Plus, uh, I was in my Disney Plus subscription looking through it. And really, that like they got it like they had it like broken up. They had like Disney Day, and then they had like Pixar Day, and then they had Marvel Day. I think they had a Star Wars Day. I don't remember because I think they said like they re- they released like a sizzle reel for the Obi Wan t- television show. But I didn't, I'm not gonna waste my time looking at a sizzle reel. You know, <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna waste my time looking at that shit. It, like it's just a bunch of it's just a bunch of. Uh, drawings and shit i'm not gonna waste my time doing that dc did that with dc fandom already with uh, uh black adam <laughs> you know like, and, but they also showed a clip from black adam so they had like a little bit of a, a caveat on that but anyway i looked at the marvel part that's that's the only part i care about is the marvel shit and they got a lot of shit lined up they showed you all the stuff that they already did like they showed you wandavision they showed you uh Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they showed you Loki and What If and all those things, they went through all that, and then they showed you, like, things that they had coming up, like Hawkeye, Hawkeye's coming up in a couple weeks, I'm excited for that, um, you got, um, what else is coming up, they showed, uh, they showed a little bit of She-Hulk, they showed a little bit of She-Hulk, they even gave you, like, a, uh, a, a couple of, a couple of scenes of She-Hulk, they gave you a couple of clips of She-Hulk, they showed you what Jennifer Walters is gonna look like. They showed you Mark Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner and as the Hulk. Uh, he's he apparently he's still Smart Hulk here. I don't know. I don't know when this takes place. I don't know because uh, spoiler alert: Bruce Banner uh, shows up at the end of Shang Chi. Right? He and uh, he and Captain Marvel show up at the end of uh, Shang Chi. And Bruce Banner is just Bruce Banner. He's not Smart Hulk. He's just Bruce Banner. And so I don't know when She-Hulk takes place. I don't know if this takes place exactly after Endgame. I'm guessing. I'm guessing this takes place exactly after Endgame. But like, like Smart uh, Bruce Banner is just like, hey, I'm I'm gonna. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go see my cousin, you know, <laughs> let me go see cousin Jennifer, I hope they, I hope they keep her, I hope they, cause like, Marvel, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe likes to change a lot of shit around, <laughs> you know, just to fit in with the, just to fit in with the, uh, 
with the flow of the movies, you know, with the with the flow of the storyline that they're trying to tell within the MCU. You know, like a lot of the shit in Eternals doesn't happen in the Eternals comic book. Uh they they changed up Thor. You know, they they they've changed up a they've changed up a couple of things. Guardians of the Galaxy is not quite uh the Guardians of the Galaxy in the comics. You know, it they changed up a couple of things. Shane Chi's not really the Shane Chi in the comics. So, you know, they like I say, they changed up a couple of things. So I don't I really want them to keep the storyline of her. Uh I believe she got shot. I believe that's how she she got shot and she needed a blood transfusion. And Bruce was there and Bruce uh gave her some of his blood and it's gamma blood so he's got like hulk blood in him so she got like hulk blood in her and she turns into she hulk you know i hope they keep it it's pretty fucking simple you know it's pretty fucking simple i hope they keep that i'm 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 kind of excited for she hulk too um they show miss marvel uh they show like other things like uh they're showing like they're gonna do echo which that's that's like the out of all the things that, that I got excited for, that was one of the things I got excited for. Cause like there's there's two things that I got really excited for, and Echo was one of them. Um, they're doing Secret Invasion. I got excited for Secret Invasion. Um, they show clips of Moon Knight actually with uh, Oscar Isaac. They show clips of that. Uh, they actually show Moon Knight in the costume from behind. And you see him jumping off of a ledge. So, like, they don't give you, like, a real, like, close-up shot of what Moon Knight, what Moon Knight's gonna look like in the show. It looks like he's gonna look like what he looks like in the comics. It looks like they're, they're staying true to comic, to the, to the comic book costume from behind. They're like, all you, all you see is the back. He's got the cape on. He's got the hood on. And then you see him jumping from a ledge from far, far away. It looks a lot like, they, it looks like they're not straying away from the uh, comic book uh, adaptation of Moon Knight. Um, what else did they show? Like I say, the show Secret Invasion. They, there's a new look for Nick Fury. He doesn't have the eye patch anymore, and he grew like he grew out a beard. So like he's got that going on. Uh, <laughs> he's got that going on. Uh, let me skip through all this shit, man. Uh, the one thing that I'm excited about. Other than Echo and Secret Invasion, because those are two things I'm most excited about. Other than other than this thing I'm about to I'm about to reveal. The one thing I'm excited about the most, and I never thought I'd get excited about this. It just it because it just came out of nowhere. They're bringing back the '90s X-Men cartoon. They're bringing it back. With new episodes, they're doing new, totally brand new episodes of the 90s X-Men animated series. And they're going to call it X-Men 97. Kind of fitting because I think the show ended in 1997. So I guess that's that's why they called it X-Men 97. They're like, we're going to pick up. We're going to pick up from what happened in 1997 on up. And there's... There's so many things that they could do with that show. You know, like they could they could set that show in the MCU. It could be a perfect, it could be a perfect like, like introduction for the X-Men in the MCU. 
this could be a perfect introduction for the X-Men in the MCU. They can make this shit canon. They could have, uh, they could be like, oh yeah, the X-Men have been around for long. Even though I wanted like a younger X-Men cast, I don't want like an old, I don't really want old X-Men. You know, because I kind of want, I kind of want the X-Men to be at least in their early 20s. You know, early to mid 20s. You know, I don't want a real old X-Men cast for the X-Men movies. The only person, the only two people I want aged up are Storm and Wolverine. You know, because Storm is kind of like a, it's kind of like a den mother to the X-Men. And Wolverine's just an old fucking curmudgeon. You know, so like, those are the only two I want aged up are Storm and Wolverine. Everybody else, I want them to be young. I want them to be in their 20s. Like Storm and Wolverine could be in like their late 30s, early 40s. I don't care. I don't care about that. Um, like I, I want I want Storm and I want Storm and Wolverine to be aged up to be at least like from like 37 to like 42. You know, like I want I want them aged up. But um yeah man, I'm I'm excited for that, man. I'm excited for X-Men 97. They they could there's so many things they could do with that. Like I said, they could make all that shit canon. They could put other MCU characters in there. They could put other Marvel characters in there. Uh, they could put Black Panther in there. They could put uh, the rest of the Avengers. They could put the Avengers in there. We, we could do Avengers versus X-Men. That's a way we could do Avengers versus X-Men because there's a comic. There was a comic book series called Avengers versus X-Men. This is the way we could do Avengers versus X-Men in X-Men 97. That would be so fucking dope. I can't wait now. Everybody's coming back. Uh, the Lee Walds are coming back. Larry Houston's coming back. Larry Houston, a big, big, big chunk of why he's a big, big reason why the original X-Men series was so popular and was so good. You know, like, cause like he, he Larry Houston was kind of a mastermind with the Lee Waltz, uh, Eric and uh, Julie, uh, with the Lee Walt couple, they, they crafted that show so much like Larry Houston's kind of like prehistoric Kevin Feige to me, you know. Like, Larry Houston's kind of like prehistoric Kevin Feige to me, cause like that dude, brother. By the way, I had to put that in there. I'm sorry. <laughs> like I'm just proud because it was a black man that did this. Because uh, like he just took his time and crafted storylines for the X Men and made everything fit and just. He's just awesome. We need to give Larry Houston his fucking flowers, man. I'm glad he's coming back to to helm this show but i'm looking forward to my x-men versus avengers storyline i hope they do it uh but yeah man that's what i'm excited for the most um i watched a movie it was all right <laughs> i watched red notice with uh, dwayne johnson ryan reynolds and uh gail godot you know I wasn't even i wasn't even really gonna talk about it i was just kind of debating should i talk about this movie because it's not really anything. I just mentioned it, so I guess I gotta talk about it a little bit. I'm not. I'm not even gonna stay on it too long. It's just. It's just a. It's a good fucking Netflix movie. It it didn't it didn't offend me. Let's just say that. Like this is the type of movie that would be in the theaters, and you know it'd be a good middle of the road movie, you know. And I think that's a, that's what that that's that's a, this is a good place 
for a movie like this is on a streaming service. Like streaming services are the new destination for middle of the road movies. Like just movies that are like, oh, they good, but they ain't good enough to go to the theater, you know? Cause like everything's blockbuster now. Everything is like gotta be like this big 50 million, 40 million dollar block, but like 40 million dollar blockbuster. Not even 40 million, you gotta be like a 90 million dollar blockbuster, you know? <laughs> Or a hundred million dollar blockbuster. I'm that's I'm talking about the old days, but uh, you know, but like now it's like a hundred, like 90, 100 million, 200 million blockbuster, you know, like so, like movies like this don't they don't they don't really see a, 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 a payback, they don't they don't see that, they don't see a worth in these type of movies, so like they, they just put these type of movies on a streaming service, so. I mean, like, the movie was okay. I was on my phone half the time actually watching it. You know, it didn't really pick up until, like, the second until, like the second half. But, you know, Dwayne Johnson's being Dwayne Johnson. Ryan Reynolds is being Ryan Reynolds. And Gail Godot being Gail Godot. That's it. They did have a twist at the end that kind of got me. I was like, what the fuck? But, uh, <laughs> like, that was it, though. But other than that, you can check it out if you want to. It's not bad. It's not a bad movie. You know, it's not it's not the greatest movie you'll ever see, but it's not the worst movie you'll ever see. You know, check it out when you got the chance. It's not like destination viewing, but check it out when you have the chance. When you got nothing to do, check out Red Notice. I'll be back with my review of Jackie Brown right after these messages. Alright guys, welcome back to the show. Jackie Brown, 1997. Let's talk about how I watched this movie as a kid. We actually rented this movie from Blockbuster, I remember. I'm 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 I'm, I'm dating myself. I'm, I'm aging myself. Yes, because remember when you used to have to go to a store called Blockbuster and rent movies. And then you watch them, and then there's like a there's a there's a there's a there's a certain amount of time you gotta watch the movie, and then you gotta bring it back, or else you're gonna have like a a fee or some shit, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I, this 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 is pre Netflix and Hulu, kids. This is pre Netflix and Hulu, um, and whatever streaming other streaming services out there right now. Uh, but yeah, I remember us renting this movie from Blockbuster Video. And I remember watching this movie the whole time we had it during the summer. I want to say we rented Jackie Brown. I want to say maybe twice because I wanted to watch it again. I ran that movie out the whole fucking summer. <laughs> you know what I think? I watched the shit out of Jackie Brown the whole summer of 1998. <laughs> I think I was what? I was 13 at the time. I was 13 years old at the time. And I watched that movie like the whole fucking time. I like I think this movie was so important to my development and my transition out of watching just kids movies. You know, because, like, before that, I was just watching kids' movies. I would watch other movies. Like, all the other movies I, uh, uh, I review on this 
on this show. It's like, it's a lot of movies that I watched with my parents, you know, but Jackie Brown is something that I watched by myself. I mean, like I got other movies out there that I like and like, those like these movies, it's like, as I got older, these movies was like, oh my God, this is my favorite movie. Like a lot of these movies that I reviewed is like, oh my God, I never realized how, how good this movie was. You know, I love this movie, but this was the one that caught me from the jump. I was like, I love this movie. This is my, this is one of my favorite fucking movies. And it just like transitioned me out of watching kid movies. I didn't watch like children's movies anymore. You know, I was in a, I, I, I transitioned into like adult, I was about to say transition into adult film, but uh, <laughs> I didn't transition into adult films, but <laughs> it did, it, I transitioned into movies, this ain't gonna come out right anyway I say this, I transitioned into movies for adults, let's just say that, I like watching movies that were, that were like for adults, like R-rated movies, but yeah, I mean, this is this was the start of it. This was the this was the movie that kind of broke me out of this, out of watching kids' movies. Let's get to the technical. This movie was written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. It's also based off of a novel called Rum Punch by Elmore Leonard. This movie had a budget of twelve million dollars and brought in seventy four point seven million dollars at the box office. Quite a success. And this movie also has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 87%. Rotten Tomatoes lies. Hopefully, um, Jackie Cooley and uh, Mark Ellis do a Rotten Tomatoes got it wrong about Jackie Brown. Hey, guys, maybe maybe I could be a guest on that episode, you know? Maybe if, you, if you're listening, guys, you know? <laughs> I could be a guest on that episode. Anytime I want to be a guest on that episode, that's the movie I'm bringing on before... If, if anybody else doesn't bring it on, uh, Jackie Brown. I'm bringing Jackie Brown to Rotten Tomatoes Got It Wrong. <laughs> That's what I'm bringing it to. I'm bringing it to you guys. But um, yeah, that was that. Before we talk about this movie, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Let's talk about Quentin Tarantino and the N word. Before we go any further, let's talk about Quentin T- Tarantino. And the N-word. This movie uses that word a total of 38 times. And I don't have a problem with it. Because only black people are saying it here. Like, there's no white person in this movie saying the N-word. I don't have a problem with it here. I don't have a problem with it in Django Unchained. Because that was the way it was back then. Like, it was slavery in the antebellum south they're gonna say the n-word you know like, <laughs> the n-word in the antebellum south during slavery is like saying good morning so <laughs> i got no problem with it in that movie white or black saying it i do have a problem with it in pulp fiction and i do have a problem with it in reservoir dogs because it's not needed there it's like it's not needed there and it's mostly white people saying it so like that that I have a problem with that there. So like I have a love hate relationship with Tarantino using that word. You know cuz like sometimes it's useful and sometimes I'm like, "Yo, bro, you you stepping over your boundaries there, dog. You shouldn't be saying it this." 
I have more of a problem with Pam Greer and Sam Jackson not getting Academy Award noms. Like, that's a different way uh, people call you the N-word when they exclude you from accolades that you deserve. I have a problem with that. Because, like, you telling me that Sam Jackson and Pam Greer anchor this movie for, like, maybe, like, 90% in this movie and the white guy gets the Academy Award nomination? You telling me that? It, I have more of a problem with that than somebody saying the N-word. Because that is more damaging than a word. Like, keeping me from things, from accolades that I deserve, is more damaging than somebody saying a fucking word. Okay? We need to get a priority straight. We need to get a priority straight. Because... Even Sam Jackson, I read like a, I read like an article with Sam Jackson. He was like, I heard, I heard the N word all the time. You know, he was like, get over it. You know, <laughs> he was like, he was just like, get over it. Uh, like I said, have a pro- I do have a problem with him saying in the Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs is not needed there, but I got more of a problem with people keeping like them keeping black people away from accolades that they deserve than an N than an N word. I have a problem with that more. Uh, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's talk about the movie now. Now that I got that off my chest. First of all, this movie has one of the best intros in cinema history. Uh, this intro is just awesome. With uh, Pam Greer on the conveyor belt in that iconic blue uh, flight attendant suit. And you got across 110th street by Bobby Womack playing in the background. (laughs) That is iconic. Such an iconic opening. I love that opening. I get excited to watch that movie just to watch that opening. I love that fucking opening. Um, Samuel Jackson. Let's talk about Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson is amazing in this movie as always. He manages to be both hilarious and menacing at the same time. It's, it's just only only a certain amount of actors could pull that shit off. Only a certain amount of actors could pull that shit off. I think I talked about uh, you watched my Demon Knight review. I think I talked about Billy Zane with that, where like he was like where he was a villain in Demon Knight. It was just like he managed to be hilarious and menacing at the same time, and I like that. I like that about Sam Jackson in this movie because like he's hilarious. He's funny as fuck in this movie. But don't fuck with him because he's he's gonna shoot you in the face, you know. So, you know? <laughs> he he has no problem shooting you in the face, you know. So, he has no problem with that. Uh, people talk about um, Tarantino's obsession with the N word, but I want to know what's Tarantino's obsession with feet, <laughs> you know? Because I think we get we we only get like five minutes into this movie and Quentin Tarantino showing some goddamn feet. You know, like just just he just zoom in on those fucking feet. He zoomed in on uh Bridget Fonda's feet. Just her feet just everywhere. Just like and like there's a good like 30 second, maybe even 40 second shot of Bridget Fonda's feet. Like just doing whatever. You know? <laughs> This dude has a major fucking foot fetish. 
a major fucking foot fetish. I don't get it. I mean, like, I like pretty feet, too. You know, like, pretty feet are good. You know, like, you know. You know. But I'm not obsessed with feet like Tarantino is. Tarantino is obsessed with feet. He got to show feet in all of his movies. In all of his movies. Like, this. There's feet in Pulp Fiction. I haven't seen Reservoir Dogs in a while, so I think there's feet in Reservoir Dogs. There's feet in Jackie Brown. There's feet in Kill... He did a whole fucking storyline in the first Kill Bill movie about a toe. You know? (laughs) This motherfucker got an obsession with feet. Good Lord. Um, Let's talk about Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker, for the amount of time he's in this movie, he's good. I'm like, I always thought that... Every time I talk about Chris Tucker, man, every time... I'm a third time talking about Chris Tucker in a movie, and every time I'm like, Chris Tucker is such wasted potential to me, man. Chris Tucker is such wasted potential to me because I felt like he could have been a bigger star than he was. I feel like he could have been a bigger star than he was, but I also feel like there's certain things that he wouldn't do in order to get to the next level. So we get what we get from him, really. We get what we get from him. Uh, it's his choice, it's his personal choice if there's certain things that he doesn't want to do there's certain things he doesn't want to do he does a movie every now and again, he's back doing stand-up you know we appreciate Chris Tucker for what uh, Chris Tucker does, pretty much Um, love the 70's soul soundtrack in this movie love every bit of that I have a soft spot for uh, 70's soul and funk music, I grew up on it my dad listen to it a lot you know like that's all that's all my dad listened to uh you got uh like i said across 110th street by bobby womack is a fucking banger you know that's a fucking slap that shit fucking slap uh another song i like it here is a strawberry letter 23 that song that song slaps uh they did like the, they got the delphonics up in here uh that's that song street life you got natural high up in here like they like they they hit you with some slappers in this in this movie, man. They hit you with some straight slappers in this movie. I love this fucking soundtrack. Uh, another thing about this movie, this movie's called Jackie Brown, but there's a whole 15 minutes before you see Jackie Brown again. <laughs> it was like it's fit. You like the movie's called Jackie Brown. It's like a whole 15 minutes before you see the title character again. <laughs> Because the first 15 minutes focus on Sam Jackson. They, the first 15 minutes is focused on setting up uh, Sam Jackson's character, Ordell. And you don't see Jackie Brown for a whole 15 minutes. But, yeah, man. I just wanted to bring that up. <laughs> this movie uh, resurrects Pam Greer and uh, Robert Forster's, like careers for the time being. Because before this, they were... They were doing a bunch of fucking bombs, you know? <laughs> you know, like they were doing a whole bunch of fucking bombs. They were doing movies that were not good, you know? <laughs> so, so, like, this movie kind of brings them back for a time being. This movie also answers the question was Pam Greer ever a good actress or was she just a great set of tits? And the answer is she's both. You know, she gives a great performance here and at 44 years old she manages to be eye candy she's a she's a gorgeous woman 
she is a gorgeous fucking woman. Even here at 44 years old, she is beautiful. <laughs> I was like, there's a couple of times I got lost in her eyes <laughs> watching this movie. I was like, God, she is beautiful. <laughs> I was like, but dude, she she the shit in this movie. She the shit. Um Robert Forrester gives a great performance as Max Cherry, the bell bondsman. Max is hella thirsty, by the way. <laughs> Max is hella fucking thirsty. Uh, the answering machine scene is funny to me because this dude gives Jackie Brown. Because like the, when he first sees Jackie Brown, he's like, God damn, she fine. <laughs> he looks like, he, look, he just got that instantly. He's like, God damn. But uh, you know, so, <laughs> so like Max is just hella thirsty for Jackie, and like he he leaves her an answering machine message. He leaves a message on her answering machine. Like he just giving out all the numbers. He like him my home number. He like him my work number. He like him my cell phone number. Him my beeper number. He like him my mama number. <laughs> he just like he just giving out. He just giving out all the numbers. He was like, if you can't reach me here, you can reach me here. You know, like, I'm trying to get at you. What's good? You know, like, you know, like, <laughs> I was like, wow. I was like, this dude really thirsty, bro. Really fucking thirsty. He gets happy every time he sees just, just gets fucking happy every time he see every time he sees her. Uh another person up in here is Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton is wild as fuck in this movie, man. <laughs> Michael Keaton wild as shit in this movie. Like, he looks coked out of his mind <laughs> the whole time in this fucking movie. I'm not saying that Michael Keaton was doing cocaine during the during the the time he did this movie or before or whenever. Cause I don't know that man's personal life. But he got some cocaine tendencies in this movie. He's just wilding. He is wilding in this movie. I don't know, like that. Just he's just a good fucking actor, or he he took a he took a toot before he got on set. But like, dude was fucking wilding. It, like just the way he walks, the, the way he talking, he just like really frenetic and really just all over the place. He's just a big ball of fucking energy in this movie. <laughs> I was like Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. I like. I, I love Michael Keaton though. Like I said that about him, but I, I I love him as an actor. I don't know him as a person. You know, like I said, I don't know him as a person, but he seems cool. I was sad when he didn't. I was sad when he didn't win the Oscar for Birdman, and then like he had to go sit back down. And I was like, oh man, that sucks. You know, so I was like that. You know, I, I, I fell for him, man. You know, but. Like I said, Michael Keaton's cool. I like Michael Keaton. Is he the best Batman? I don't... When I get to Batman, you'll figure that out. Whenever I review Batman, I'll let you know. Um, Robert De Niro and Bridget Fonda, to me, give the weakest performance in this movie. Because sometimes I forget they're even in this movie. (laughs) You know, Sometimes I forget they're in this movie. Sorry, let me let me fix this for a minute. Uh, I forget they're in this movie. Uh, they have a sex scene in this movie, and like even that doll. It's just I remember uh, 
me and my friends in high school we used to talk about we used to talk about Jackie Brown and we used to talk about that sex scene. <laughs> we used to talk about that sex scene. Me and one of my homies, we used to talk about that scene. And he was like, dude, you remember that sex scene to Jackie Brown? <laughs> he was like, I was like, yeah, he was like, he was like Robert De Niro lasted like two seconds up in that pussy. <laughs> he was like, he was like <laughs> And like it was like, and we was like, he was and then he coughed afterwards. <laughs> he was like, you coughed off. He was like, we were like, he coughed off for two seconds of fucking. You know what I'm saying? It was like, really? You coughed off for two seconds of fucking. I gotta go at least like thirty minutes to be coughing off of, off off fucking. You know, like, but well, this nigga was like, and then you know, that was it. But yeah, man, Robert De Niro and Bridget Fonda are a waste of fucking time in this movie. They really are. They're a waste of space in this movie. Um, Samuel Jackson and Pam Greer. They have so much chemistry together. Every time they're on, every time they're on camera together, like the chemistry just pops. Like they're hilarious together because they they remind me of that old black couple that's been together for like forty years and like they just have no filter when they talk to each other. You know, like it's just like they just say whatever to each other. You're like yo, dirty bastard, and you know all this shit. You're like wash your ass, you know. <laughs> it's just like it's just all types of shit. Uh, cause I was like, I was like, they remind me of that. They remind me of like just that old fucking couple. Uh, love the heist element of this movie. Cause I've always thought like this was more of a heist film than a crime drama. Cause like a lot of people say it's a crime drama, but I think it's more of a heist film, especially towards the end. Because kind of like Jackie Brown and uh, Max Cherry are planning to like double cross Ordell. You know, so it kind of turns to it kind of turns into a heist, you know, because uh, Ordell wants his money. Jackie Brown's like working with the feds, but like she's double crossing Jack, she's double crossing Od- Odell and the feds, and to just to work with Max and her and Max like run off with the money, you know. So, <laughs> so I always thought this was like a this was a high, more of a heist film than a crime drama. Another thing about this movie, this is also the least violent of all of Tarantino's movies. Because, like, only four people die in this movie, and it's not extremely bloody. Only, like, uh, spoiler, like, when De Niro dies, like, you see, like, a shot of blood come out. But other than that, you know, at least there's, there's not a lot of blood in this movie. There's not a lot of blood in this movie. Uh, another thing, <laughs> I want to talk about this for a little bit, uh... They had a missed opportunity, uh, but not make Max Cherry and his uh, partner Winston a spinoff show. They really, really should have made Max and Winston a spinoff show. Winston is Max's uh, uh, bell bondsman partner. He's played by uh, Tiny Lister, a.k.a. Debo uh, <laughs> from Friday. Uh, but... And even Winston, even Winston has a fucking catchphrase. Winston has a catchphrase. Because he, he says, I find people that don't want to be found. That's what he did. That's what he said. <laughs> That's what he said. And it was just, I was like, they really could have been, they really could have been like a Spencer for Hire type show with these two. If you ever watched a show called Spencer for Hire with uh, 
with uh, Robert Urich and uh, what's my man name? He played uh, Ben Sisko on uh, Star Trek. God damn, he was the captain on Star Trek uh, Deep Space Nine. I can't remember. Avery, Avery, what's his name? Avery Brooks. Avery Brooks with uh, Robert Urich and Avery Brooks. That was a missed opportunity. This could have been the Spencer for hire of the 90s. That would have been dope. I would I would watch that every week. Max and Winston. They could call it that. Just call it Max and Winston. <laughs> you know, Max and Winston. Every Tuesday on NBC or whatever the fuck. Wherever they want to put it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was like, but yeah, man. I'm like, overall, I enjoyed the hell out of this movie, man. I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. This movie's basically flawless other than uh, Robert De Niro being wasted in this movie. It's a perfect film. I like it. Give it a 5 out of 5. It's perfect. Join me next week when I will be reviewing Will Smith in the 2000 film Ali. Until next time, peace.